Parker. This is Warming Signs, a podcast with the sound minds of science. But what about the sun? It's a common refrain from climate change deniers, but believe it or not, scientists haven't forgotten about our main source of heat. I recently spoke to Dr. Phil Plate. You might know him as the bad astronomer, but he happens to be great at explaining the relationship between the sun and our climate. Phil, thank you so much, first of all, for tweeting at me and making this conversation happen (laughs) because that's such a fun way for this to evolve. If you're not having a conversation with Warming Signs on Twitter, uh, at Weather Kate, talk to me. Let's talk. And who knows? You might be my next guest. Phil, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. (laughs) So I'm actually going to probably totally irritate you then and tell you that when I was in school, I had a choice of which elective meteorology course to take uh, between tropical meteorology and space weather. And I chose tropical meteorology, which has served me very well because I love hurricanes and talking about hurricanes and, you know, informing people about hurricanes. But I don't know very much about space weather now and or how our space, what it means for our climate, what our universe means for us here on Earth. But that's where you come in. Oh, well, great. I, you know, um, you probably made a, a better choice, you know, cause if you're gonna, if you're gonna experience tropical weather, you know, that's, that's a better thing than, you know, experiencing space weather in space. You're, you're likely to be <laughs> sipping some sort of pineapple based drink in Hawaii, uh, rather than suffocating in orbit. So yeah, I probably uh, yeah. don't want to do that. No suffocating in orbit on my agenda, <laughs> at least not in the near future. Well, both of these things, um, affect our weather just in different ways. Uh, you know, it, with tropical tropical weather is, is pretty obvious. Space weather is is the idea that the sun and the earth are connected via the sun's magnetic field. And basically the sun um, is a gigantic ball of ionized gas. We call this a plasma. And all that really means is that the atoms inside the sun are so energetic, so hot, that the electrons have been torn off and that they can be affected by a magnetic field. And so the sun is is... It's not like a bar magnet. It's a lot more complicated than that. But at its heart, a lot of what's going on, a lot of that we see going on with the sun has to do with magnetism. And so the solar wind, which you probably heard of, which is just a stream of particles blowing off the sun, uh, helium atom nuclei, electrons, protons, that sort of thing. Those are all being blown off the sun due to magnetism. And the Earth has a magnetic field. The solar wind interacts with our magnetic field and we get all kinds of cool effects like the northern lights and aurora or um sometimes we get blackouts the sun gets a little feisty and has gigantic solar storms and these can blast out subatomic particles and that can be bad that can affect our uh, our power grid it can affect our satellites in orbit uh, so there's a huge amount of uh, interest and in a lot of people who study this this aspect of space weather now how this affects our weather and and i can ramble on about this for the next uh, four or five hours um <laughs> Oh, That's that not all? clear. Yeah. Nobody really knows if this stuff affects our weather. Uh, there are studies that say that the subatomic particles hit our atmosphere. Maybe they form more clouds because clouds form around uh, uh, dust particles or things like that in the air. And these subatomic particles blast into our atmosphere, create ions in our atmosphere that water can condense around. So there's this idea maybe clouds can form around that, but there, there's not really good evidence for it. It's kind of like, eh, maybe, 
maybe, but nothing where you can go yes or no. And uh, uh, so a lot of climate change deniers love to latch onto that and say, you know, oh, when the sun's feisty, we get more clouds and that affects our climate, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, really, we, we don't really know. Well, there are some things that we do know, though, that have to do with climate and the solar system around us, uh, mainly the center of it our sun and yeah. our solar output. This is one of those things. I know you hear this all the time online. Uh, why aren't you talking about the sun? It's putting out more solar radiation. That's why we're hotter. Uh, what What's going on there? What is the truth of it? How is the sun impacting our climate or not impacting our climate currently? Let me, let me be, let me be blunt. Um, please do. Yeah. A lot of climate science deniers, uh, pull out a lot of subtle stuff, a lot of, they do a lot of cherry picking, they're very misleading, you know, look over here at this shiny thing, instead of looking at this gigantic thing that's actually having a huge cause or a huge effect. Um, and, and the one that makes me just beat my head against my desk is when somebody is on Twitter talking to you or Michael Mann or Catherine Hayhoe, you know, climate scientists, people who really understand this and say, why aren't you discussing the sun? And it's like, it's like, you know, they slap their forehead and go, oh my God, how could I have forgotten about the sun? It's like, <laughs> of course, of course they know about the sun. You figured sun it out, random guy on the internet. I know. It's like, wow, you know, these climate scientists who have been, you know, dedicated their careers and have PhDs and have studied for 50 years this stuff, uh, they forgot about the single source of energy that is warming the earth, right? If you turn the sun off, we will freeze. Uh, there are other sources of heat, but they're not very big. Uh, and and uh, it's the major source of light and heat in the solar system. And so, of course, of course, they know about the sun. The thing about the sun is the output of its energy is pretty steady. Um, if you measure how bright the sun is now and you measure how bright it was 100 years ago, it's, it's you know, within all sense and purposes, it's the same. What they sometimes mean is that the sun does change over the course of several years. Like I said, the sun is a magnet, kind of. And so uh, this magnetic field inside the sun gets stronger and weaker with time. And we call this the solar cycle. And it lasts about 11 years, roughly, for the sun to go from sort of its weakest magnetic state to its strongest magnetic state and then back again. And when that happens you get a lot of magnetic phenomena when the sun's magnetic field is strong. You get things like sunspots. And what a sunspot is, it's just a spot where the magnetic fields inside the sun come to the surface. They're all tangled up. And what happens is, is that the hot stuff inside the sun is prevented from basically rising up to the surface, cooling and sinking again. And you've seen this, like hot air balloons rise and, and hot water boils on a pot. This is called convection. So hot air goes up cold air goes down. That's Same how we thing make thunderstorms too. Yes, right. So convection kind of drives weather on Earth, of course. Uh, thank you for saying that. Of course. Um, uh, well, guess, of course the meteorologists would bring that up. Yeah, right. And, and I've, you know, and astronomers study convection too because we see it a lot in stars and in, in other places. And and I'm glad you said that because I will I will get on a roll and start talking about this stuff forever. So you got to Got to bring me back down sometimes. But that's why you're here. We want to hear these things. So we're on <laughs> sunspots and we're talking about the the output, right? Right. And so what happens is when the sun's magnetic field lines get all tangled up and near the surface, this hot stuff rises, but it, it's not really allowed to sink again. It gets tangled up in this magnetic field. It's like a fishing net. And so this gas that's bubbled up cools off, but then it can't sink. 
And so what happens is this, the sun is glowing because it's hot. If there's a spot on the surface that's not as hot, it's not going to glow as brightly. And so compared to the rest of the sun, it looks dark. It's still very bright. It's just compared to the extremely bright sun, it looks a little bit darker. And we call that a sunspot. Now you'd think if the sun is then very magnetically active, a lot of sunspots, it's going to be cooler because there are more of these cool spots on its surface. The weird thing is, it's the opposite. Because what happens is around the edges of these sunspots, you get a lot more activity, a lot more heat being generated. And that puts out more light in the ultraviolet that we can't see. So when you take a picture of the sun, you see a lot of sunspots, got a lot of dark spots. Actually, if you look at the sun in ultraviolet, around these sunspots are these really bright rims. They're called faculae, which mean uh, little torches or little lanterns. And that's where the sun is brighter in ultraviolet. And so actually, if you measure the total amount of energy coming from the sun, when there are a lot of sunspots, there's more energy. And you think, well, if there's more heat coming from the sun, that has to affect our climate, right? And it's like, well, no, we're talking about a tiny fraction of a percent of extra light coming from the sun. It's not enough to drive our climate. There is some effect. Um, if you take super, super accurate measurements, you can see this very, very subtle effect. But, you know, we're talking about degrees of temperature rise over time. And the sun is not doing that. And in fact, when you measure solar activity versus time, um, there's no core, there's basically essentially, uh, no correlation between the earth's heating and, uh, and the sun, at least as far as global warming is concerned. So right now, where are we in that cycle that you're talking about this 11 year solar cycle? Are we on the, like, how, where are we in that? <laughs> well, the thing about the sun's cycle too, is that it, it's not predictable. Um, over time, you, you look at this over centuries yeah, you know, 11 years on average, something like that. But there are some times where the sun goes into a minimum and just kind of sits there all quiet for a long time. It's done that before. And it's had tremendous peaks of activity sometimes as well. And right now we're, we're, we're supposed to be ramping up towards the next maximum, but we've been in this extended minimum now. I, I don't know how long it's been, a couple of years. Um, and and if, you're an, if you're an astronomer who likes to like take a telescope out and look at the sky like I do. I have a solar telescope. It allows me to safely look at the sun. It's heavily filtered and it, it actually um, accentuates the magnetic activity of the sun. So when you use this special telescope and look at the sun, sunspots and, and the other effects of the sun's magnetic field really uh, pop out. And the sun's been super boring lately. Um, you know, during the eclipse uh, a couple of years ago, there were a couple of sunspots um, but it hasn't really been doing much. And at some point, it's, you know, it's the, the solar cycle is going to start picking up again. But right now, eh, not much is going on. But when that solar cycle picks up, it's not like we're going to see this huge spike in temperatures and response is what you're saying. I'm, I'm saying that exactly. Um, it, it's there are some correlations between sunspots and the Earth's temperature, but it is extremely small, super difficult to measure. And even if you, even if you're a climate scientist and you say, oh, but it's there. And it's like, yeah, but you're not seeing these rises in temperature every 11 years and, you know, rise and fall and rise and fall on the Earth. What we are seeing is a clear trend of hotter and hotter temperature as time goes on. So it's clearly not the sun doing that. Yes, the sun provides basically 100% of the heat that drives our climate. But climate change, note the word change, global warming, note the word warming, that is not being uh, driven by the sun. 
beautiful excellent excellent explanation i know how pat like your passion it's beautiful like i love how excited you get talking about this Uh, well thank you i mean i love astronomy i mean love it this is my life this isn't just a job this is something i've chosen to do and love to do and then when somebody turns around and and abuses it in this manner and and says you know look climate climate science deniers are already um super frustrating for scientists um, even if this weren't literally a life and death, you know, global civilization sort of impact from, from climate change, just anytime anybody abuses science, it, it frustrates me. But when, when the level of it rises to a public health concern, um, that's when this stuff becomes dangerous. So you're, you're basically taking something I love with all of my heart and then using it in basically what is a lie to to defraud the public in some way or another. Yeah, it's a double whammy. That that really gets my dander up. While Phil is taking care of that dander issue, let's pause for one of our recurring segments, Hot Mail. Not like what your grandma uses to send you cheesy cat videos. I'm talking about the heat that fills my feeds and mentions, fueling the dumpster fire that is my social media whenever I mention climate change. Let's get the ball rolling with Dawn. He direct tweeted me, LOL, I bet you voted for AOC also. We'll all be dead in 12 years, right? But we're all supposed to be dead already, according to Al Global Warming Gore. Well, Don, I don't live in New York, so no, I did not vote for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And one of the most frustrating things about trying to communicate this complicated earth science and climate change and how everything is so connected is it often gets misinterpreted and it's like a game of telephone. No one has said everyone is going to die in 12 years unless Mr. Bad Astronomer himself wants to let us know that there's, you know, an impending uh, asteroid strike that we don't know about. But I digress. 12 years is a threshold that was set out as a Hey, scientists said we have really until this time to make significant changes before we do damage and heating to the earth that we can't reverse. So just want to clarify that. No, we're not all going to die in 12 years. And we're not all supposed to be dead already. So there's that. How about Doreen from our Facebook page who says they're supposed to give me the weather, not politicize the weather, keep their opinion out of climate change to each reporter's opinion and not try to influence the rest of us, not their job. I appreciate your sentiment, Doreen. I know that it can be kind of confusing, but climate is weather over a long period of time. So this is absolutely our lane. The Weather Channel, weather.com, this is our lane talking about the environment and climate change because it impacts us all. And when weather is changing as a result of climate and a warming climate, well, we're going to talk about it. So listen to warming signs. Maybe you'll learn a thing or two. Okay, enough of that fun for now. Let's get back to Dr. Plate and the role NASA plays in monitoring the changes in our climate. Why is it that NASA is the one that puts out so much of our climate data versus NOAA? I I think that's something that maybe people would be curious about. Yeah, it, it's funny that NASA is so dedicated to studying the climate when you might think that, uh, you know, the Oceanographic Administration would be the one to do an atmospheric administration right. would be the one that does this. Um, and in fact, you know, if you want to study weather, um, having weather stations, I have a weather station about a Woo, kilometer go from me that I, I mean, it's not mine. Sorry. Oh. I mean, it's somebody else's. I'm saying I, there, there well, is still good for you. <laughs> about, a, about a kilometer away. And I, I check that one for my, for my weather and everything. And, 
um, if you, that's, that's good, but weather eventually becomes climate, right? They say weather is your mood and climate is your personality, right? So, so your the day-to-day stuff that's going on is weather, but what happens over 10 years, that's starting to sort of merge into what climate is. And doing that locally is, is good, um, but if you want a more global view, you got to get off the earth. You got to get uh, into orbit, look down on the earth and see what's going on. Well, you know, NASA, it's kind of what they do. They have rockets. What? And so, yeah. And so, you know, you want to believe this. all that nonsense. Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I had to, because we were talking about space it. Space travel, uh, let alone landing on the moon. There are people who deny that we go into space and it's like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail I just want to play us poker again. With these people. Um, I'd be a rich man if I played poker with them. Um, don't believe anything. Um, so if you want to study ocean currents, what's happening to Arctic ice? You know, we don't have weather stations all over uh, the Arctic Sea or the Antarctic ice shelves. You've got to get above the earth and take images uh, and not just images radar mapping that, that penetrate the ground. Uh, you want to see what's happening in the deep ice. You want to see what's happening with ocean currents, salinity. Um, uh, and that's just in the oceans over land. You want to see where, um, where growth of forests are changing, how, uh, cities are growing, uh, phytoplankton blooms. Uh, you know, I can, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm like holding it goes my on head. and on and on. It, there's just such a huge list of things you can do using satellites, observing the earth. So you're you're doing this over a long period of time, and you're doing it over a huge amount of area on the Earth, and that's what NASA does. Uh, Earth science is a huge part of NASA's mission. It's not just looking at the planets and stars. It's looking at our own planet. I mean, the Earth is a planet. Um, the more we learn about the Earth, the better we can understand these other planets that we're discovering around other stars and the planets in our solar system. And the better we understand them, the better we understand our planet. You know, we see... Everybody's talking about the the polar vortex and the jet stream. Well, we see things like this. Jupiter, um, excuse me, Saturn has this weird hexagonal polar uh, uh, vortex uh, on its North Pole. And so we can see these in different environments. And uh, Saturn doesn't have a solid surface. It's all atmosphere. So its atmosphere behaves differently than ours. But the better we understand that, the better we understand the science that drives what's going on here. This is all parts of the puzzle and that's what science does it allows us to assemble that puzzle would you say that like our planet and i mean you're talking about saturn and in general do we find the same behaviors on our planet that we would find on others are things true across the universe are there universal truths that we know of thus far yeah and that's um one of the one of the biggest things about science that uh, I think a lot of people misunderstand is that we are trying to answer fundamental philosophical questions. Why are we here? How did we get here? Where are we going? And it's like, this has always been, you know, a highfalutin philosophy, but now it's like, yeah, now we got some numbers that we can throw at this. And yeah, I mean, like the discovery that the same elements that we see here on earth, hydrogen, helium, carbon, phosphorus, whatever. These exist throughout the universe and they behave the same way everywhere we look is a huge, huge philosophical conclusion. Uh, and it, it, and it you're allows not saying us the to, solar system. You're saying the universe. Yes, I'm saying everywhere. You know, the solar system is just the sun and the, the eight planets or nine planets. I don't, I don't want to argue about Pluto. You don't want to get into politics here. again? Uh, we not can politics wade back into the Pluto, the Pluto political waters. Oh my gosh, that's that's always fun. Um, 
and 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 here I am. I'm I'm what you would consider a Pluto moderate. Um, that that I don't care what you call it. I care what it is. Um, if you want to call it a planet or not, I don't care. Um, that tells me more about you than it does about Pluto. Um, but the idea that um, these same elements, like oxygen, and we see oxygen, for example, in in gas clouds and nebulae thousands of light years away or in other galaxies millions of light years away and that the stars in these galaxies all across the universe are in many ways just like the sun they may be older younger more massive hotter with different chemical elements in them maybe more carbon maybe more iron whatever but the basic properties are the same and that's that's just so cool but then you can start to say well we're developing these scientific ideas like these laws of magnetism and, and electromagnetism and how light behaves and how chemicals behave, how atmospheres behave. And you look at Jupiter and you see its great red spot. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a that's a cyclonic feature. That's like a hurricane. It's different. You know, Jupiter, again, has an atmosphere that's thousands of miles thick. It's mostly hydrogen and helium. It's cold. It's very different than the Earth. But the underlying physical principles are the same. Rotation, heating, convection, uh, the way gas flows, hydrodynamics, all of these uh, all of these mathematical and physical principles apply to Jupiter just like they do to Earth. It's just that the kind of the numbers, the things you're sticking in those equations are different. Well, I can't thank you enough for all of your perspective here. But before I let you go, uh, <laughs> I need to know what gives you hope? Is there something that's uh, in the research or a project that you know about that's going on or just a trend that you're seeing that gives you hope for our planetary future? Actually, yes. Um, when it comes to climate science and climate science denial, um, uh, Michael Mann has talked about this, this, the stages of denial that, you know, it's not happening or it's happening a little or sure it's happening, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and then the last stage is, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, that's what the, that's what the deniers are saying. But I, what I'm seeing, um, is in, in, at least in the American public is more and more people are, uh, are trusting the science and saying, uh, yeah, climate change is real. They're seeing it. There's, there's no denying it. I used to, when I came to Boulder for the first time in, uh, the mid 1990s, uh, the Rockies had snow on them in the middle of July. I was here in the middle of summer and at, at 14,000 feet, there was snow. I live here now. And in the past 10 years, I've watched that go away. Uh, in July, those mountains are bare. Uh, there's no, there, you, you can deny this, but you, you'd have to have your head buried in the sand. And I'm seeing less and less of this. I'm seeing fewer and fewer uh, people uh, loudly denying it. And when they do, a lot of times they're ridiculed. Um, I don't think we're going to see another Senator James Inhofe bringing a snowball on the floor of Congress. Never um, say never. Well, it might I'm be an hoping. icicle next time. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, uh, I think a lot of kids are getting it. I think we're talking about it. There are you know, people on the web who are insanely popular web comic, uh, people like Saturday morning breakfast cereal, XKCD, and these things are, are doing this as a topic and getting it into the public consciousness. Um, and, and with the 2016, uh, election, things were bad, but then last year with the 2018 elections, we 
saw this wave of uh, politicians coming in who believe the scientists, who, who say, these people know what they're talking about and we need to listen to them. So we're not going to see the dog and pony shows, I hope, uh, that we saw from the House Science Committee where they would bring in three fossil fuel executives uh, and talk to them at length about about how you know oil is great, everything's fine. Uh, we're not going to see that as much anymore. And I'm hoping that in 2020, we'll see the second half of that wave come in and we can start to do something about it. Uh, and the other half of that too is industrially, we're seeing solar power just blowing fossil fuel out of the water as far as growth and uh, in number of solar panels and energy produced, electric cars are becoming vastly more popular. This is a big, big deal. Uh, being able to store solar power in batteries uh, is a revolution. And I have solar panels on my house and I have four very large batteries that power my house. Uh, and I love it. Um, I've watched my neighbors lose power because they depend on the grid while we are fine. Uh, and so it's um, it's a big deal, and I think that's going to change uh, the way we live even faster in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really could have let this go on all day. A massive thank you to Dr. Phil Plate for joining me on Warming Signs. I love talking about all these topics and digging in. If there's something that you are thinking about that's in your head and you're like, I really want to know about X, Y, or Z, tweet at me at WeatherKate. I would love to have a conversation about this podcast. Let me know just that you listened to it or that you didn't. If you hate me, if you love it, whatever, just let me know. And don't forget to subscribe because you get new episodes into your app every Tuesday and just in time for that morning commute on Tuesday. And I've mentioned this a few times. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to podcasts while cleaning, well, this might be perfect for that too <laughs> while you're cleaning house. Also, a huge thank you to our producers. We've got Mia Bichak, Dan Wright, Jim Robinson, Eric Zirkle, and Patty Cox. It's like a whole team of people that help get all of these things out of my brain and into yours each and every Tuesday. Until next week. 